First John chapter two. First John chapter two. <clears throat> I want to begin from verse twenty two, though we are considering verse twenty six to verse twenty seven this morning. But let's begin with verse twenty two. Who is the liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that He made to us, eternal life. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. But the anointing that you receive from Him abides in you. And you have no need that anyone should teach you. But his anointing teaches you about everything. And is true and is no lie. Just as it has taught you, abide in him. Well, brethren, we continue in our series of messages in John's epistle, looking primarily at the theme of assurance of eternal salvation. And uh, last week when we looked at this passage of scripture, we saw that you experience eternal life as you abide in the gospel. Experiencing it, obviously, in an ongoing conscious way. First of all, when you get saved, it is because you believe in this same gospel. And as a result of that, you experience eternal life. But it doesn't end there as an ongoing way. Again, it is as you abide in that which you have heard from the beginning. He has already told us in these verses we have read. It is as you abide in it that you abide in the Son, that you abide in the Father, and consequently you experience that which He has promised, and that is eternal life. I said last week, and I will repeat today, it is not by you moving away from Jesus Christ as the primary focus of your attention, and moving to the realm of the Holy Spirit as the primary focus of your attention, that you end up moving upwards in your Christian life. We never graduate from the Lord Jesus Christ. We never move on. Never believe anyone who comes to you with any teaching that begins to suggest that by concentrating on Christ, you have missed the boat. You have it. Today, John continues in verse 26 and 27 with this theme of abiding. But now he connects it with the anointing that he had mentioned earlier 
in the passage that we have been looking at in the recent past. And I think it's important for us to understand this. Because if you don't realize the fact that this abiding in Christ is really the base upon which you must continue, what's going to happen is you will spend the rest of your life Chasing after all kinds of experiences promised by false teachers and messing up your sense of assurance. If you don't recognize this, because it's the ongoing thing and you end up wasting so much of your time. Well then, what do we learn as we now come to verse 26? And verse 27. The first is that you need to be aware that this world is not a playground. It is a battlefield. And as a battlefield, it is full of landmines. It is full of enemies of your soul in the form of spiritual deceivers. Come to terms with that reality. That not everybody going by the name of pastor or reverend, and in this day we add prophet and bishop and, and apostle and evangelist and every other term that goes with it. Not everyone who goes by any such title, not even brother, can be considered to be a safe guide. We are not playing we are in a place where many souls are being lost. John drew the attention of his readers to this fact as he was wrapping up the subject that he began in verse 18. He says in verse 26, I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. This is why I have written this. And what is it that he has written? Well, he's beginning with 18. Children, he says, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore we know that it is the last hour. In other words, this is not something you should be saying, well, for now we are safe. For now, let's continue playing. It's going to happen in some future date. He's saying, no. It's already begun to happen now. It's an ongoing experience among you. In fact, as it goes on to say in the next verse, already their own ranks had been thinned down. Verse 19. They went out from us. But they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. In other words, they were already beginning to suffer hemorrhage. People were leaving the church, going after these teachers, following their teachings. So it's not some future event. 
It's something that was very current to these brethren there. John is calling them deceivers. Some of your versions may use the word seducers. And often when we think like this, we say to ourselves, well, it must be somebody who is already a conscience conman. Someone who already knows that I'm just telling lies. I'm just deceiving. Well, friends, many people who are seducers and who are deceivers are unconscious seducers and deceivers. In the sense that they themselves have already been seduced and they themselves have already been deceived. So they are sincere when they are teaching you what they are teaching you. The reason why John still calls them deceivers and seducers is because they are taking you away from the truth. They're taking you away from that which you ought to be with. And consequently, they are agents of the devil. That's the sense in which he is calling them that. Now, historians, biblical historians, refer to a movement that was there in the days of the early church that is referred to as the Gnostic. G-N-O-S-T-I-C-S. Gnostics. A silent G. And there were people that were making all kinds of claims to knowing spiritual things that you yourselves cannot know. So you need to believe them. And that's the way the word Gnostic comes in. And clearly, although some of them may have been sincere, they were taking away people from following the truth as it had been taught by the apostles. Now, in our own day, that's not the major issue. A former generation before us, it was clearly liberalism that had come in and and was questioning the Bible and was reinterpreting the Bible and and, and, and saying that the Genesis account is, is not exactly the way it is written there. Those were just the thoughts of men in a day before science came to birth. The miracles of the Bible did not really happen as they are recorded. The virgin birth, again just the thinking of the people, it was not really true that Mary was a virgin. And so as liberalism crept through the churches, many people believed that this is what true Christianity was all about. And consequently, churches were dying. Because their faith in God's written word was being destroyed. And if you read church history, you will realize that much of the late 19th century, going into the first half of the 20th century, that was the major fight that was there in the churches. And that's what gave birth to the parachurch movement. 
Because the evangelicals could not work through the churches anymore. And so they began to form associations and societies on the outside of the church where they could still work together for the evangelical faith. Again, I would venture to say that that's not where today's major deceivers are. Around the spirit. The holy spirit. Claiming all kinds of issues related to the spirit. And again, that you don't need to look for it. It's staring you in the face. Yesterday, and just want to illustrate this point, I, I, I got a message. And it's from somebody very far away. Thankfully, therefore, I can quote it to you. But clearly, it illustrates the same point I'm trying to bring home. And when I read it to you, clearly, it won't be news to you. Here's what it says. That last, the last meeting I attended was one to do with territorial spirits. We are supposed to know which spirit rules in a particular area. Because the Holy Ghost only rules in some places. Other places are dominated by demons of drinking. Other places, demons of smoking. Other places, demons of all kinds of vices. As a result, our job is to overthrow these demons and introduce the Holy Spirit. Now, if you haven't heard about this, here's my statement to you. Welcome to planet Earth. I'm not sure where you've been in the last few months. But that's what has now become common everywhere. Turn on your TV, that's what it's about. Turn on your radio, that's what it's about. If I was to disband you in here right now and say, along Chilimbul Road, go into Kamala Secondary School, go into Livala Secondary School, go into the churches that line up this road, you will find this is the talk. That's what the sermons are about. It's no longer that you can't rely on this book. Rather, it is the torturing of verses in this book to make them say what the Holy Spirit did not teach. And it's constantly on the issue of spirits. And if I'm wrong, please correct me. Remember, false teachers are here now they may not have false teacher written on their t-shirts, but they are here and working flat out. John is saying here, beware. Beware of them. Because they will mess you up. I have written these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. Very well. What is it that he is saying to us when he says beware of them? 
It is this. That your safeguard against deceivers is already in you. It's already in you. And he should remain your only necessary teacher. He should remain your only necessary teacher. Listen to the first part of verse 27. He says there, But the anointing that you received from him abides with you. And you have no need that anyone should teach you. That phrase, but, at the beginning of verse 27 is essential. And if your version doesn't have it, you have my permission to write it in. It's in the Greek. The original New Testament. Because what John is doing here is contrasting the false teachers on the outside to the true teacher who is in you if you are truly a child of God. And it is the true teacher who is in you who holds at bay the false teachings that are surrounding you. And what is this anointing? We've already dealt with it in earlier verses when John said in the passage that we had read earlier on, but this time from verse 20, but you have been anointed by the Holy One. And you all have knowledge. That's the anointing he's referring to. And we've already learned that he's referring to the Holy Spirit who resides in every true believer. The anointing that you received from him abides in you. John is taking it for granted. That if you are a Christian, the Holy Spirit is in you. And that's true. Because the moment you get converted, that's what happens. The Holy Spirit does not just change you, He comes to take residence in your soul. And He doesn't take residence in your soul for a week, or two weeks. And then go off on holiday. He abides in you. He remains with you. It is the task that the Father has given him. So that he can guide you in the truth. On your way to heaven. And that's the thing that John is pointing out here. And because of that reality. You do not need anyone to teach you. Now, obviously, you must be sitting there thinking, well, does that mean we don't need pastors to preach to us? Clearly, that's not what John has in mind. And this is where context matters. Because if he was saying you don't need any teachers, the question is, then why is he writing? Eh? It's because we do need to be taught. We need teachers to bring us to a deeper understanding and application of the truth. 
We need teachers to, to remind or refresh our minds concerning the truth that we already hold dearly. So what does he mean? Basically, if you can think in terms of the Gnostic heresy, and then I will bring you to all these other movements, you'll begin to understand what he means. Gnostics were basically individuals who were claiming to have insight that nobody else has. And part of what they were then saying is that Jesus was not God. Or if he was God at a particular phase, definitely not on the cross. The one who died there was but a human being. They were claiming to have that knowledge that was only theirs and not common to everybody else. So, they were demanding, listen to this, blind loyalty. That's what they were demanding. Blind loyalty. Believe them. Let's cross over. I mentioned earlier that we... We have uh, the era when liberalism was killing the churches. Liberalism basically is saying this book, yes, may have been inspired generally by God, but not everything in it should be taken as it is. For instance, creation was not in seven days. Or six days and then seventy rested. It's, you know, those days are not really days. They are, they are long periods. And those long periods could be millions of millions of years packed into what it's calling a day. And so you can fit in evolution there quite easily. You know, sort of God. Somehow God. And over seven billion years you fit it into seven days. Again, they are demanding blind loyalty from you. That you should simply accept that when it says Jesus was born of a virgin, that is not really a virgin. When it says that he performed these miracles, not really that he was performing miracles. Again, they are demanding a blind loyalty. Just believe them. Even if your reading of the Bible is not clearly saying that to you. Just believe them. Isn't that what's happening in what we are now calling the realm of the Spirit? When people start telling you that these places, this one has the, the demon of beer holes. Then when you cross the other side, it's the demon of smoking. You go across into Jack compound, it's the demon of a doubter. What are they saying to you? Trust me. Trust us. We are the ones 
who are connected to God, we are the ones who've got insight which you don't have. Trust us. What John is saying here is no. The Spirit of the Living God is in you. Nobody should be bringing to you another kind of truth that the Spirit of God does not bear witness to in His Word. Refuse it. That's what he's saying. Like one gentleman was listening to a cultish teacher, and as he was listening, 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 finally a preacher of the gospel was looking at him, worrying a little bit, and went over to him and said, uh, So, what do you think about what that guy was saying? And his immediate response was, Wow! I mean, that guy said a lot of things. A lot of food for thought. So he says to him, Do you believe him? He says, Well, no, nah, something inside me kept saying he's cheating you. He's, he's lying. It can't be true. It wasn't something in him. It was the Spirit of God. He's been reading God's Word. And he's been reading God's Word. The Spirit of God in him has been saying, Amen, Amen, Amen to this. Now he's exposed to a teaching which clearly isn't fitting into what the Word of God is saying. And as a result... There is a shaking of the head that's happening in here. A shaking of the head. And that's what he is talking about here. We need teachers. But it's teachers who are confirming this book to us. That's what they are doing. We can read it. We can see it. It makes sense. And I hope that's the effect of my teaching. It's making sense. This book is coming alive to you. Rather than stealing it away from you. Well, John doesn't end by simply telling us the fact that the primary safeguard you have is the Spirit of God in you. He goes on to tell us the reason why the Holy Spirit in you is a sufficient safeguard against deception. And why is that? It's because He teaches you comprehensively and He teaches you in line with God's objective truth. The Bible. So that you might center your life on Christ and on Christ alone. That's the way he teaches. Listen to the last part of verse 27. I'll read the whole of it. But the anointing that you receive from him abides in you. And you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as the anointing teaches you about everything, there is the comprehensiveness. And is true and is no lie. In other words, it's in line with God's objective truth. The word of God. Just as it has taught you, abide in him. 
Now, the fact that the anointing teaches you obviously tells us that the anointing is a person. It's the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Because only a person teaches. So clearly, it's about the Holy Spirit. But what does he teach? He teaches everything. But that doesn't mean the Holy Spirit teaches us mathematics and geography. Otherwise, you know what would be happening here. We would all be dancing around with PhDs. No. He teaches us all things pertaining to life and godliness. That's what he does. That which has to do with living a life here on earth that is pleasing to God, that is fruitful to God, and finally being received into his heaven. The Holy Spirit teaches us comprehensively. Nobody should come to you and tell you, in this area, he is insufficient. He will not teach you that, therefore listen to me. No. Everything that you need for life and godliness is in his word. And the spirit of God gives you a sense of yes and amen. When a teaching with respect to that is coming to the fore. And then as he goes on to say, it is without error. Truth without error. So friends... You do not need new and deeper spiritual understandings that are unverifiable by Scripture. Don't need them. We are living in a day when, when the most popular teaching is about breakthroughs. Even churches are now being called breakthrough churches. The greatest need you all need, you have, is to break through. With a husband who's misbehaving, you need a breakthrough. Got a job problem, you need a breakthrough. You've got a physical ailment and healing end coming, you need a breakthrough. And I once asked, a pastor friend, where on earth, in the whole of this Bible, he finds this breakthrough, and he took me to Daniel 10. That there was Daniel praying, but his prayers were not being answered because he needed a breakthrough. And that's what I mean. You, 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 thank you for laughing. Because the Spirit of God in you, at least if you're familiar with Daniel 10, immediately tells you that that's torturing Scripture. The problem with Daniel was not that his prayer did not reach God. It reached God. It was that when the angel was being sent, being called a prince, there were five taking place there that prevented him reaching Daniel Elena. Now that's not what you're being taught. Rather, you go to a chap who can so pray 
that you have a breakthrough in the heavens. Sounds more like something from movies than from scripture. But secondly, in Daniel 10, there was no human being that Daniel went to for an open and prayer meeting, for a breakthrough. No human being. And yet that's what's happening today. You've got a problem? Come. We are meeting on top of that mountain overnight. Come. We'll have a breakthrough for you. Is that Daniel 10? Thirdly, what came to Daniel was not what he was asking for. Daniel's concern was that the people of Israel were in trouble. And he wanted God to so forgive their sins and to resolve the situation for Israel. The answer that came was that God wanted him to be told the end of all things, to be given the view for the end. That's not what these breakthroughs are all about. It's not that you might understand the word of God and where it's leading history. No! The breakthrough is that if you are sick, you are whole, no job, you get a job, no child, you have a child. Your misbehaving husband comes from. And again, the point I'm raising out of all this is the fact that the Spirit of God in you, surely, should make you say, there's something wrong. This is what Scripture teaches. And you don't need people to come and start marketing to you what is not in Scripture. Don't eat of it. The same with spiritual husbands. So you've heard of it. I call it the nonsense of spiritual husbands and wives. When you ask, where is this? Is that taking you to some obscure passage in Genesis 6 of some sons of God having some apparent affairs with some sons or daughters of men and having children by them? But Jesus himself taught that angelic beings neither marry nor have children. And you will be like them when you get to heaven. How come now when they come to earth they are marrying and having children? Again, you ought to know that this is nonsense. The Spirit of God in you ought to teach you that. But again I want to say, it's become the common menu from pulpits. All over the land, all over Africa, turn on your radio, turn on your TV, that's what is being poured out in the name of Christianity. That's the false teaching today. Let's not talk about liberalism 
it has beaten itself to death. Let's not talk about the Gnosticism of the first 300 years. The same has happened to it. But today, this is where we are. And what John is saying here is this. Just as the anointing has taught you, abide in Him. In other words, your job is to continue where you began with Christ. With Christ. With Christ. That's where you started. When you were heavy laden with sin. And you came to God. You looked to the cross. And there you found your salvation. It doesn't change after 10 years of the Christian. It doesn't change after 20 years of the Christian. It doesn't change after 50 years of the Christian. You still have a well-beaten path to the cross. Jesus Christ. Friends, do you see now why this is important? Why John is saying, I want to address you on this issue. Too many people are spending their lives chasing after these experiences promised by false teachers. It's their life. Let a new denomination come into town, usually from Nigeria, and they rush over there. In their tens of thousands. In droves. And they are messed up. They are seeing demons everywhere. They are mapping out areas. According to spirits now. Their prayer lives are nothing more than binding this and loosing the other and binding the other thing and then loosing the other. The moment just give them a bit of money, boom, air ticket, Nigeria. Until buildings collapse on their poor heads. Going for overnight prayer meetings for deliverance. Their lives, eating grass. That's their lives. Because the man of God says, eat grass. Being cleansed by having sex with a prostitute. And it's happening. sleeping with you in order for you to be cleansed from these spirits. Giving whole salaries away. Whole salaries. And usually it's we men who are deluded this way. So that when she goes home now, that man is saying, where is the salary? Ah, Kabiri, we needed to solve some problem, and I had. The salary is gone. The whole of it. 
One woman was telling me just this week in my office that she gave two salaries in two consecutive months. A week. And I'm saying, it's the order of the day. And if you move away from Christ, it's a matter of time. You too will be part of this never ending running this way, running another way, running there, and you get messed up altogether. Friends, believe me, it's Christ. It's Christ. It's Christ. He is all you need. Jesus Christ. Never move away from Him. Say, as you'll be singing in the end, I know whom I have believed. And he is able to keep that which I've committed to him until that great day when I appear before God my maker. I don't need anybody else. The spirit of the living God confirms it in my soul. Jesus is all I need from beginning to end. Amen.